The text for this morning's worship service is from Ecclesiastes 1, verse 13, and chapter 2, the verses 24 through 26. Let's read that once again. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a heavy burden God has laid on men. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after wind. And then after the sermon, we will sing from hymn 6. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, did you know that the suicide rate in the last 45 years has risen by 60%? Those who experienced the dirty 30s, the war, and the years just after the war know that those times were economically poor times. You could hardly get enough food or drink or even shelter for that matter. There was also little time for leisure and at the end of the day there was also very little left, if anything, for luxuries. Today it is much different. We live during a time of affluence. We have food and drink in abundance and time for entertainment and leisure. How come then that the suicide rate is going up? How come that society in general is not any happier today? There is nothing new under the sun. The teacher observed the same kind of thing. He observed that happiness and contentment are not tied to wealth or prosperity. And there are other things at play. And there are other reasons that there is such an emptiness in the lives of people. Such unhappy and depressed people look for their happiness and contentment in the wrong place. After speaking about the futility of life under the sun, In chapter 24, in chapter 2, verse 24, the teacher brings God into the picture. He says that happiness and contentment and wisdom can come only from God. Now, please, when I'm speaking here about unhappiness and depression, that I'm not speaking about those whose depression is due to chemical imbalances or other physical or environmental reasons. No, I'm speaking about those who are depressed and unhappy because of their empty lifestyles, because they live their lives without God. And the teacher is a wise man. He is wise not because he learned his lesson from the world, but because he learned it from the Lord God. He learned that only with God you can find true satisfaction and enjoyment and pleasure. And that is what I will preach to you about this morning. The theme of this morning's service is as follows. The Lord gives true pleasure only to those who please him. And then we will look at two things. First of all, the pursuit of earthly pleasure. 
And then secondly, the gift of divine pleasure. I'll state it once again. The Lord gives us true pleasure and gives true pleasure only to those who please him. First, we will look at the pursuit of earthly pleasure and then at the gift of divine pleasure. In verse 13, we read that the teacher devoted himself to study and exploration. He was a diligent and keen student. However, he did not do his learning in a classroom or a library or laboratory. No, his classroom and laboratory were the world. He carefully read the book of life. And he was very thorough in his study. It says that he devoted himself to study. In reality, the text refers here to the heart. As the King James Version states, he gave his heart in his seeking and searching. To the original reader, to the Jewish mind, the heart refers to the totality of the inner life of a person. When you give your heart to something, and then you give your mind and your will and your emotions. For that reason, other translations speak about the mind, that he applied his mind to this search. The point is that the teacher gave everything that he had to that study. He used all his senses in order to come to a conclusion. He was very sincere and earnest in his search. It wasn't something superficial. And note well that he once again speaks here about his search under heaven. Before he spoke about what happens under the sun. These are parallel expressions. They mean the same thing. In other words, his search was first a horizontal search. He looked at things only from man's perspective. He did his search at first without putting God into the picture. And he says that he devoted himself to study and to explore by wisdom. The concept of wisdom is mentioned throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to understand the book of Ecclesiastes, then you first of all have to understand what the Old Testament concept of wisdom refers to. It is not the kind of wisdom that the Greek philosophers have in mind. To philosophers such as Aristotle and those who followed him, wisdom has to do with rational thought. You're wise when you are able to think things through and come to a logical conclusion. The philosophers reduce wisdom to a theoretical and contemplative virtue. But that is certainly not what Ecclesiastes has in mind. To the teacher, wisdom is not based on theory or speculation, but it is based on practice. A wise person is someone who is able to deal skillfully with life and its problems. He is prudent and clever and innovative. He knows how to avoid the pitfalls of life. He is able to find shortcuts to success. You can even be wise that is skillful with your hands. For example, it says in Exodus 28 verse 3, Tell all the skilled men to whom I have given wisdom in such matters 
that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so that he may serve me as priest. And elsewhere it says in Exodus that when you are wise, then you have knowledge in all kinds of crafts. And so wisdom has to do with skill, with practice. Here in Ecclesiastes, it has to do especially with the skill of life. How well you are able to handle life. And there are many people who are very skillful at it. Also secular people, especially secular people. Because this life is all they have and they find out all the shortcuts. They know how to maneuver through life. And now the text says that the teacher sought things out by wisdom. In other words, he employed all the worldly skills that he had learned over the many years. He is near the end of his life, and he had the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to search out all the aspects of human existence. He found that one of the great pleasures of life is found in laughter and wine. As king, he could afford to throw lavish parties and to hire all kinds of entertainers. You can just imagine the king sitting back in his lavish palace, sipping good wine and eating good food while being entertained by skillful musicians and court jesters. Make no mistake about it, the Hebrew people knew how to have a good time. After all, didn't the Lord God already say in Genesis that he gave man to enjoy all that is pleasing to the eye and good for food? And that's also true after the fall into sin. We could also sing about that this morning when we sang from Psalm 104 that the Lord made grass for cattle and wild beasts and that he gave plants for man who on his bounty feasts. And so the teacher enjoyed all the good things that life had to offer. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, that includes you teenagers, you and I, we can do the same thing. The Lord God gives to you and to me, especially in this day and age, many things to enjoy. Never before in the history of mankind could man enjoy such luxuries. Do you realize that? A variety of foods are available to you from all over the world. We can enjoy tropical foods and fresh vegetables in the midst of winter. And we can enjoy every kind of meat imaginable and also all kinds of refreshing drinks, including good wines. All these things are readily available to us. And what about entertainment? We can bring the world right into our living rooms through satellite TV and through the movies. We also have access to all kinds of information and entertainment through the Internet. And we can be entertained in the concert halls. We can enjoy cruises and exotic vacations. We too can live like kings. And yet, and that is the question of the teacher, is there real contentment in all these things? Are you any happier than those who are not able to enjoy those things? Oh sure, it's good to have a laugh. It's good to have a glass of wine or two. It's good to enjoy the company of good friends. 
It's good to enjoy the good life. But the truth of the matter is that if that's all there is to life, then you are still left with an empty feeling in the pit of your stomach. Then you're still not satisfied. There's got to be more to life. And that's also what the teacher found. Why is that? Why is genuine satisfaction so elusive? Why is it that many of those people who cannot afford exotic vacations and good food and drink and fame and wealth, that they can be much happier than those of us who can? Well, if your interest in the good life is foremost... If that's what you want more than anything else, then yours is an empty and futile pursuit. For you see, there will be no end to it. You will always want more and better and greater. You will want what somebody else has. And somebody else always has more. And then you will also pursue such things at all costs. You will use other people also for your own selfish purposes. You will exploit them. In the end, you will have contempt for them for not serving you in the way that you expect. For if that is your passion in life, then you will like nothing better than that others serve you. And then you become dependent on others to give you the good life, to give you happiness. Brothers and sisters, God did not create us in order to be served. He did not create us so that we could just sit back and take it all in for our own selfish purposes. Do you know why God created us? He created us to serve. Do you want to find true happiness in life? Then learn what it is to serve. For true happiness is only found in service. Service to God, service to others. The Lord Jesus served as an example. He clearly stated that he came as a servant. As he stated in Mark 10 verse 45, one of the most profound texts in all of the Bible, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, does that mean that we cannot enjoy life You certainly can. As the teacher says, you can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in your work. It's all from the hand of God. But there is a lot more to life than the pursuit of earthly pleasures. You see, that's only the gravy. It's not the main meal. Indeed, there are many things to be enjoyed. We can enjoy even the service of others. We can enjoy times of leisure. We can enjoy good food and drink. These are indeed God's gift to us. It is clear from the rest of the book of Ecclesiastes that a teacher would even consider it evil if a person who had all the many blessings from the Lord, that he would then not enjoy them. For in this way he would scorn the gift and the giver. But brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the Lord God wants you to put all things into perspective. He wants you to have your priorities right. 
Those things are a reward from God. They are not given to you because you deserve them. And you can only enjoy the service of others if you, first of all, are a servant yourself. As I said, those who seek pleasure for the sake of pleasure alone will never have enough. And the more you get, the less enjoyment you will get out of it. Such lifestyles can also lead to all kinds of addictions, to alcoholism, to drug addiction, to gambling, to sex addictions, etc., etc. And the same thing is true of work. It's good to enjoy your work, but to some people, their work is their opium. It's their drug. It's the only thing that they really get any enjoyment out of. And in the end, they become workaholics. The teacher had something to say about that as well. At first, the teacher received much pleasure from his work. But as time wore on, he found that it became grievous to him. He said that his heart began to despair over all all his toilsome labor under the sun. Many of you can also identify with that. We work very hard, and often we lay awake at night fretting about it all. We become anxious and irritable because of the many things that need our attention. Our work can completely take our lives over. We toil and we labor, and we gain standing in the community, and we acquire many things. But the point will come, and you will wonder why. What's the use? What am I doing it for? That's the point that the teacher came to. The teacher was also able to acquire many things through his toil. He was also able to hire many workers so that he could accumulate great wealth. But in the end, also this gave him no satisfaction. Brothers and sisters, work is a blessing from God. And so is the fruit of our labor. Can you imagine if you did not have a job? People who are unemployed for an extended period of time often become depressed. They no longer feel that they have any purpose in life. God also created us for work. And that is why he put Adam and Eve to work in the Garden of Eden. It says in Genesis 2 verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Work is a blessing from God. And I have no doubt that in the life hereafter, God will also put you to work. And that work will be nothing but enjoyment and pleasure. However, work for the sake of work itself, work for the sake of acquiring things, work for the sake of having you gain a standing amongst others, will leave you only empty and unfulfilled. Listen to what the Lord God says in Isaiah 52, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good and your soil and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. The teacher observed these things. And he saw that those who worked and worked and worked and acquired things for themselves 
that they got no pleasure out of it for themselves. When they die, it goes to others who did not work for it and who would not appreciate it. Those who become totally absorbed in their work because they want, they do so often because they want to escape from something. They want to escape from their responsibilities or other things. They use work as an excuse not to have to deal with other matters. They absorb themselves in work so that they can escape from family problems, for example, or personal problems. They seek their pleasure in work because only through their work can they find satisfaction. Only in their work do they find that they can, that they can receive recognition. But in the end, that doesn't cut it. People will praise you for your work and your efforts only as long as they are of use to them. When that's no longer the case, they will discard you like yesterday's garbage. Brothers and sisters, true pleasure comes from God alone. We come to the second point. The text says, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Literally, it says that God gives these things to the man who is good before his face. In other words, as you enjoy the things of life, you must have your gaze fixed on God. You have to look God in the eye, so to speak, as you go about your daily business, as you enjoy the things that this world has to offer. After all, as the teacher says, these things come from the hand of God. He is the one who hands them to you. And only he will truly appreciate you. Only he will keep his promises. You can depend on him alone. And don't forget that your beautiful house, your thriving business, your challenging job, your shiny new car, your fashionable clothes, your delicious food and drink, and your enjoyable time of leisure that they all come from God's hand. You would not have them if it were not for the Lord your God. Do you want to get most out of life? Do you wish to be happy? Then put God into the picture. It's the only way. Be good before his face, as the text says. Look at him, not at your navel. Don't think about the things that will serve you. Let the Lord your God worry about that. As the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 25 and 26, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? In other words, keep the Lord God and his will in mind as you pursue earthly matters. Put everything in proper perspective. Do not just look at things under the sun, but look at things above the sun, at heaven itself, where God dwells where your treasure is. Your blessings come from him alone. And that's the way it is for all of us. 
And that includes you, young people who are about to make a career for yourselves and build your life here on this earth. Don't get caught up in the pursuit of pleasure and material things in the way that the world does. It really is an empty pursuit. It will leave you disappointed and disillusioned. You will find no satisfaction. Listen to what the Lord God says to you in His Word. Know His will. Don't leave God out of the picture. The teacher didn't do that either. After his pursuit of pleasure under heaven, he found that real satisfaction is found only in heaven with God. He says, For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? He says, what a heavy burden God has laid on men. Other translations speak about the unhappy business that God has given to man. Without God, life is tough. But only when you are a child of God can you take it all in stride. For we know that at the end of the day, we will be delivered from this world full of sin and misery. Have you ever listened to the beautiful singing of a bird at the end of a day? Those little creatures the whole day long do nothing but try to survive. They constantly have to look out for and hide from their enemies, from the birds of prey and other creatures. And they are always and forever busily scrounging for food for themselves and for their little ones. A bird's life is a hard life. And yet at the end of the day, he finds himself a high purge and sings his heart out. And now here we are, safe and sound with food and drink dropped on our laps. And we have the promise from God that one day we will enjoy his bounty to the fullest. And yet, how often do we not complain about the things that we do not have? And about the little annoyances of life. We always want more. We always want better. Shouldn't we instead be singing God's praises? And while we live here on this earth, the Lord God even gives us the fruit of the labor and the wealth of our unbelieving fellow creatures. For that's what the teacher also says. He says that to the sinner... He gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth only to hand it over to those who please God. Commentators do not know quite what to make of this statement. They could come up with only a few scenarios. They just point to a few examples where the wealth of sinners is given to God's people. They point, for example, to the Israelites who, when they left Egypt, took their gold and their silver the silver of the Egyptians with them. The wealth of the Egyptians went to the Israelites. They also point out that the wealth in the temple came from David's military exploits. In other words, they came from God's enemies. However, according to me, the teacher has in mind here everything that belongs to God. Everything that worldly people toil for here on earth will revert to God's people, will revert to you and to me. For don't forget 
that we as believers, that we are the ones who will inherit the earth and everything in it. Isn't that what the Lord Jesus Christ himself said at the beginning of his ministry in the Sermon of the Mount? He said in Matthew 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 21 through 23, All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the presence, or the future. All are yours. And you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God gives you your blessings only because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only because you belong to Christ that God so richly blesses you. All your blessings are given to you only because of him. He is the one who defeated Satan. He nailed our sins to the cross. Through him, our selfish and our empty pursuit of material well-being is also forgiven. They are forgiven us as long as we also humble ourselves before him. And as long as we acknowledge how prone we are to stumble and go after things that do not really satisfy. And so why do you think that people are less happy now than in previous years? No doubt this has to do with the fact that mankind no longer seeks his well-being from God. At one time, Canada was a Christian nation. So were the European countries. Sadly, that's no longer the case. Canada and Western Europe have become secular in their outlook. By and large, man now no longer looks to God for his satisfaction and well-being, in spite of the fact that we are so rich. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, let's not fall into the same trap. Let us praise God for his blessings. Let us fix our eyes on him from whom all blessings flow. Only he can give you true happiness and satisfaction and enjoyment. Amen.